Hello everyone and welcome to That Time When, the comedy history programme where each week we take you back into history and tell you about some strange things that have happened. I'm your host for this week, Barnaby King, and joining me as ever is my co-host, Amelia Edwards. Hello. Hello. So... Last time I did an episode, Mm. you got very upset towards the end. Did I? You did, because I mentioned the theory that Tarantism Mm -hmm. was a way of like a secret society from antiquity whose existence had been kept secret. That was their way of like spreading, spreading their message and like recruiting more members into this ancient order. And well, you... it was more a religion thing. Well, that was the reason yeah. I was a bit upset about it. Yeah, but I thought, you know, I'd go along with that. And I thought this week I'd talk about a different secret society. Oh, really? A secret society that is really kind of paradoxically very famous. Oh, really? Yes, indeed. This week we are going to talk about the Illuminati. <gasps> We said, we've already said before. Too late. I am the Edward Snowden of the Illuminati. I'm going to bust it all open. Oh my God. Okay, so this is our last episode (laughs) of That Time When. Oh shit, I already hear the black helicopters coming in. We're going to have to do this fast. (laughs) Okay, right. So the history of the Illuminati is interesting. And kind of, I mean, some people like to link it to various secret societies throughout Mm -hmm. history. Um, I'm going to be looking specifically at the society that actually called itself the Illuminati. Okay. And perhaps why it's lasted so long. Because really, it didn't. Spoilers, it lasted about eight years. That's as far as you know, man. (laughs) Well, that is the suspicion. Mm -hmm. Um, But there is actually a reason that the Illuminati, despite existing for not a long time, although it was still twice as long as the American Confederacy. (laughs) uh, (laughs) That was just a really weird, like thing to sneak in there very quickly well it's, there was that thing there uh, has a been that joke recently about like, the american confederacy i mean it, it, it wasn't really recent but you know and i was curious to know if the illuminati lasted longer than the confederacy and yes it lasted twice as long <laughs> that's because the confederacy never died man. <laughs> okay so i'm i'm gonna do things a little bit differently because typically we take you back and then we go through it chronologically. Yeah. But I am going to start in media res. Oh. So you are, and let me get this name up because it's mad. You are Adolf Franz Friedrich Ludwig Knieger. How did you know? (laughs) (laughs) I've kept my secret identity (laughs) from you for years. And you are a Freiherr, which is a uh, German rank of nobility Sometimes uh, people translate it as duke, but it's okay. more like baron. It's slightly lower down than that. Okay. Uh, I have always wondered what a Freiherr was, because I've seen it in literature sometimes. And... Yeah. So it, it means free lord, or oh. there's Freifrau, which is free lady. Okay. Um, and it is, yeah, it, it's generally around the rank of baron. Okay, cool. Um, so this uh, Duke Knieger... Mm-hmm. has been part of this secret society for a while. Ooh. The Illuminati. O- okay. And he has been really vocal about getting new members. Mm-hmm. He really wants to get 
Lots of people involved in it. But it's a secret society. Why does he want a lot of people in it? Well, because they need to expand their membership base. Okay. (laughs) So he's been trying to recruit new members, but he's hit a brick wall. Mm -hmm. Because people keep asking him about the history of the group. Right. And specifically, who is overall in charge. Okay. So Freiherr Knieger decides that he's he's had enough of like trying to just convince people without this bit of information this is stuff that he hasn't been told right so he decides to write to johann adam weishaupt who is nominally in charge of the illuminati okay but freiherr knieger wants to know about the most serene observers that weishaupt uh claims to follow right and weishaupt responds And in that response, everything changes. (gasps) But now we're going to go back. Okay. We've had that clickbaity start. Okay, great. We're going to go back and we are going to talk about the uh, founder of the Illuminati, Johann Adam Weishaupt. Okay, wait. So, our our Kniept... Knieker. Knieker. He doesn't know that the guy he's writing to... Is the founder. Oh, he does. Okay. But uh, Weishaupt claimed that he was serving overlords. Right. uh, Known as the most serene observers. Okay. Is this like one of those things where people go, oh, this this originally comes from an ancient order of monks on (laughs) on some hill somewhere? Shush. We will will get to all that. Okay. But we're going to start with uh, Weishaupt. Okay. uh, Most often known as Adam Weishaupt. uh, Okay. One of those people who you don't use his first name. The one who was secretly George Washington. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> that is a theory and we will go in on that. <laughs> okay, cool. So he was born uh, on the 6th of February in 1748 in Ingolstadt in the electorate of Bavaria. Nice. His father was a uh, professor of law, but died when Adam was five years old. Okay. So Adam came under the personal tutelage of his godfather, who was another professor of law. <laughs> And okay. he, he taught him until he was seven years old. And at that point, uh, Weishaupt went to a school run by Jesuits. Okay. Oh, they love doing secret stuff, Jesuits. Well, yes, they did. But the thing is that Weishaupt has gone into this school, but previously he's been taught by his godfather, who was very much a rationalist and a fan of the Enlightenment, which was going on at this time. Okay. So Weishaupt already goes in with a little bit of, like, contrariness because, mm. you know, it's very much a religious school. Yeah. But he is very much interested in more, I guess, what you could call humanism. Okay. He really excels at school. He uh, later enrolls in the University of Ingolstadt and he graduates with a doctorate of law at the age of 20. Oh, f- off. I know, right? Isn't that annoying? <laughs> That's it gets, so annoying. It gets even worse because just four years later, in 1772, he becomes a professor of law himself. Sure. And in, seven... little shit. <laughs> <laughs> and in 1773, Pope Clement XIV decides to disband the Jesuits. Oh. Yeah. Okay. 
Now, this is actually quite a good thing for Weishaupt, because what it means is that he can become a professor of canon law, which is a pretty important role in the university mm-hmm. and was previously only held by Jesuits. Right, okay. He is the first non-Jesuit to hold the role. Okay, well, canon law is very important. You need to know exactly who you're allowed to fire on. I knew you were going to make that joke. <laughs> I knew- it was a toss-up whether or not you were going to do, like, musical canons or actual, like, Musical canons, canons like the 1812 Overture. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, but no, canon law is just religious law, basically. Sure, basically. Yeah. Now, despite the fact that he had this title and it was a pretty prestigious job he was generally looked down upon by his co-workers oh no because he wasn't a jesuit oh right okay because they still were basically practicing jesuits and they really didn't like the fact that a non-jesuit had this really prestigious role Okay. So he decides that, you know, he's going to find companionship elsewhere. He wants to spend time with other rational free thinkers, right? Okay. So he joins a book club. Uh, Not quite. Right. He first decides that he is going to join the Freemasons. Oh, my God. Okay. Sure. Because the Freemasons are mad. I mean, their history is bizarre. Mm -hmm. And... A lot of it is lies. Yep. <laughs> and at this time uh, in history, the Freemasons in Bavaria were undergoing various different schisms. Mm-hmm. And there were people involved in lots of different groups. There were like competing mysticism groups uh, trying to take hold of the various lodges. Mm-hmm. So Weishaupt thought that, you know, there would be a lot of different sorts of people. So there must be people out there who would be his kind of person yeah and he'd be able to chat to them about all the things he loves and all the things he hates which is mostly religion yeah i can understand him getting kind of cheesed off at this point yeah he's got all these priests who are like really mean to him yeah i know so mean so mean unfortunately the freemasons are not that much better well because they are pretty religious yeah (laughs) and not only that he found that it was a bit too expensive to join understandable yes. yeah and he didn't agree with the way that they kind of structured themselves they're quite hierarchical aren't they the freemasons they are very hierarchical but i think it was like a lot of the uh, rituals around it that he particularly disapproved of mm-hmm. so he decides to do a full bender and future armor <laughs> and make his own secret society with blackjack and hookers amazing no no not not the blackjack and hookers okay. but he does decide to make his own secret society okay so <laughs> What? Well, fine. If you guys don't like me, I'm going to start my (laughs) own secret society. Yeah, it basically is that. It's very easy to start a secret society, actually, especially if there's only one of you. I mean, yeah, it's incredibly easy. You're the most secret society if it's all in your head. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Well, it wasn't just in his head. He managed to recruit a few other people, some of which were his students. Mm. Uh, I know, I know. C-pom's that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, do you need to explain CPOMs? Have we said it before? I think we have briefly, but basically um, it's the online system that I use to report anything that's like concerning about students so that yeah. if it is actually a problem, then it goes to a higher up thing. Yeah, but Definitely I mean- you shouldn't be making secret societies with your <laughs> students. I mean, this was a this was a university rather than a secondary school, so it's a little bit more 
I uh, permissive. still think it's Dodge. I mean, probably, but I think he genuinely did have the best of intentions. I'm sure. So, he and these small group of students and friends... Sure. ...met on the 1st of May, 1776, and founded their order. The Order of Perfectibilists. <laughs> Nice. I'm sorry, nice. is there something unusual about that name? It's not unusual, it's just stupid. <laughs> so it's it's a, the name in German was Bund der Perfectibilisten, or Covenant of Perfectibility, known as the Perfectibilists. Did you say Bund? Bund, yeah. How's that spelled? B-U-N-D. Okay, so it's not quite like a cake, but almost. No, no. <laughs> they are the perfectible cakes. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> So, uh, he and these four students form this order, and they definitely start off with it being like, you know, it's going to be super secret. They all have their, like, code names. Nice. Uh, Weishaupt, being the leader, gets probably the best. Mm-hmm. He is Brother Spartacus. Ooh, yeah. nice. Uh, the students... The students all go, no, I am Brother Spartacus. <laughs> no, I am Brother Spartacus. Well, the students whose names were Massenhausen, Bauhoff, Merz, and Sutor become, respectively, Ajax, okay. Agathon, right. Tiberius, nice. and Erasmus Roterodamus. Nice. <laughs> nice. Now, weirdly, out of those, I have actually heard of Erasmus Rotterdamus. Have you? Yeah, he was a philosopher. He was. He was uh, Erasmus of Rotterdam. Mm. And he, unusually, compared to the other names there, is the only one who doesn't come from antiquity. Yeah, that's but, a bit weird. Yeah, he came from the 15th century. But he was very big into humanism. So that's probably why he gets a bit of a special mention here. Yeah. I I, mean, it sounds really stupid, but I think that actually the stupidest one is Tiberius. Yeah. Having now looked at Tiberius, why do you want that? I know, but you know. What's she going to do? You've got to pick some names from antiquity. And to be honest... No, actually, you know what? I changed my mind. Weishaupt, you really messed up here. There yeah. are a lot of good names from antiquity you could have picked. There are so many good names. And like, if they're going, <laughs> okay, Erasmus Rotterdamus, like, you are a humanist. Mm. Like, why can't they choose other great philosophers? Or, yeah. like, where's Plato, eh? Yeah. No, instead you've got Ajax. Yeah. Uh, Agathon, a playwright. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Spartacus, admittedly, like, you Spartacus, know. yeah, freedom of freedom yeah. of the people, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. But Tiberius, yeah. the worst Roman emperor. <laughs> I don't think he was the worst. Well, he set up for some of the worst. Oh, he did, yeah. He, yeah, he was responsible for a lot of bad shit. He's just a trash human being. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, so they've set up this order, they've got their secret names, and they're kind of... Their goal is a little bit vague. Okay. We don't have a full account of exactly what they wanted to do, but from what we can kind of gather, uh, particularly from the name, what they wanted was a sort of, um, I guess, political anarchism. Okay. But like anarchy in the proper political movement idea, not just like, you know, chaos. No, they believed effectively in a world without hierarchies, uh, without governments, Mm -hmm. or any sort of like, any way that people could control groups of people. They believed that was not the way forward. Okay. They thought instead that people had the potential 
uh, particularly through learning, through science, through reason, to become perfect. Okay, so this is very Enlightenment-style thinking then. Yeah, yeah. The idea is that, you know, they'd achieve this certain level of Mm -hmm. Enlightenment Mm -hmm. and they would become unbound from things like the state, from the church, from everything, and you'd have a sort of utopia. Yeah, and this makes a lot of sense at a time when there's a lot of religious oppression and there's a lot of monarchies still yeah yeah. and uh bavaria at this time was very conservative very catholic i think it still is isn't it well quite possibly yes but but yeah yeah you don't you don't want that in the 1700s yeah this was even more so there were many texts that were outlawed and one of the things that the perfectibilists did was uh circulate these liberal texts that had been banned okay that's quite cool yeah it was cool they were actually doing something but for two years not much really happened yeah and eventually they decided that it was probably because of the name i mean i agree yeah perfectibilist is not a good name yeah so instead they sort of they meet up although i think at this point uh erasmus rotterodamus has actually been kicked out oh no yeah (laughs) So at this point in April 1778, they decide, you know what? We're going to change the name. Right. And they've got two possibilities. Okay. They have the Illuminatan Orden, or Order of the Illuminati. Or the B Order. Well, that would make sense because the first order was the A Order. No, no, no. This is Buzz Buzz B. B E E. Why? We don't really know. Okay. From what I could tell, I think it's because um, Weishaupt admired the way bees were kind of like ordered and collected and like... Does he think that bees are Republicans? I think he thinks that they're... Yeah, maybe actually. It's a I've, bit confusing. I've definitely read some people at the time who thought bees were Republicans. Yeah. It's like, no. <laughs> they very much have a queen. <laughs> oh, but they, they elect the queen, right? Because oh, they feed yes, that one course, royal jelly. Yeah. yeah, so they decide, and probably quite rightly, to go with the Order of Illuminati. Good move. And this is kind we of... We wouldn't spend a lot of time being worried that the bee was <laughs> spying on us. Yeah, absolutely. And this definitely is a good marketing strategy for a couple of reasons. So they've got their symbol, mm-hmm. which is the Owl of Minerva. Wait. Yeah? An owl? Yes. But I thought it was supposed to be a triangle. No, that comes from something completely different, which I'll get into later. But the children keep making that triangle sign at me. Yeah, you can tell them that they're basically just working from some fiction, but we'll go there later on. Okay. Uh, Really, the symbol was the Owl of Minerva, who was the goddess of wisdom. Mm -hmm. Their name, the Illuminati, basically about enlightenment. Mm -hmm. And I think it's at around this point that there's some idea... That there are that this enlightenment comes from outside sources. That there are some people above the Illuminati giving them this knowledge. Some monks on on a mountain somewhere. Uh, hard to tell. Okay. It's quite possible that it's something a bit akin to space aliens. Oh, cool! All right. Yeah, it's hard to tell because I think this was something that Weishaupt really wanted to like spread around as like, oh, this is a secret. Do you know about this? I heard this. Right. Okay. So. Now they're getting beyond going, if we 
if we are liberal in our thought and we mm. learn lots, then we'll be the best people we can be. And now they're going, there's secret knowledge. Yeah. And you know, if you just put the, put what you want out into the universe, <laughs> then the universe will give it to you, you know? Well, I think it's to try and encourage new members because they did have a goal in mind. They wanted to infiltrate various levels of government and and ch- the church and basically anything that had any sort of control. Okay. Including the Freemasons. Right. So Weishaupt actually did join the Freemasons shortly uh, afterwards. And he got a little bit way up in it and got a bit disappointed. Again? Yeah, because it wasn't as special as he thought it was going to be. It was more Christian than he thought it was going to be. And basically, he he saw that there was a lot of stuff that was being denied to him. Mm. Um, One of the criticisms of the Masons at this point was that the lower orders, like they had this whole thing about egalitarianism. Yeah. You know, you, you are all free and equal. But it is noticeable that those in the higher orders seem to have a lot more. Yeah. And, you know, are not willing to share that with anyone. It's like that spa from that one episode of Frasier. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Now, at this point, uh, the Illuminati still has a bit of a loose structure to it. There are actually only three levels to the Illuminati. Okay. You could be a novice, Mm -hmm. Minervil, or an illuminated Minervil. They are really bad with names. Yeah, they are. They're dreadful. Like, they're so bad with names. Yeah. Illuminati is, like, the best thing they've ever come up with. Oh, yeah. With. But, um, okay, I get why you'd be a Minerva, mm. but, but I'm not sure I'd want to be one. No. And also, so you know how the Freemasons are famous for their, like, secret rituals and that? It's like, when you advance in rank, you have to do this whole thing with, like, a dagger and a cheese sandwich or something. Yeah. So the Illuminati only had one ritual, which happened when you pro- uh, progressed from novice to Minervil. Okay. There wasn't one for when you went from Minervil to illuminated Minervil. Okay. And it also seems that mostly the way you advanced in the Illuminati was by reading. Okay. Because they basically had, <laughs> they basically had a book list that was like everyone in the Illuminati should read and believe this. Okay, that's not great because I thought they were supposed to be going for this whole freedom of thought thing. Yeah. Weishaupt, I'm pretty sure, thought that he was right Mm -hmm. and that everyone should just do what he said. But, okay, I'm sure he's a really (laughs) smart guy. Yeah. Like, he did manage to graduate so quickly and and get into university at the age of 20 and all that kind of thing. But, Mm -hmm. but... Um, he's also living in Bavaria, which has got a lot going for it, but it's also not the centre of everything. Oh, absolutely. So there must be other knowledge yeah. than your big book list. Yeah. He doesn't seem to think so. Right, okay. So <laughs> as such, you know, you just got to join, read some books and you'll advance in levels and then you get something. It's a bit unclear. Nice. Um they clearly wanted to be powerful, but were really not at this stage. Yeah, okay. So I, th- I, I kind of love this, though, because I know that it's going to be like 
serious minded political works yeah. but in my head it's like once you get past the first three books of harry potter and you advance <laughs> into like the darker areas that's when you get to become a minerval oh absolutely and then let's see it must be when you get to the when you finish the whole series you could talk about the whole thing and decide what your own house is yeah that's when that's when you're an illuminated <laughs> minerval oh absolutely <laughs> So I think that definitely at this stage, there were obviously Weishaupt was quite serious about it. I think a lot of people were kind of having a bit of fun with the Illuminati because there was this whole thing of like mutual espionage where the people they were spying on was each other. Okay. <laughs> it sounds a bit like the Assassin's Club. I, yeah, right? Like that that game where you... Go around firing like... Nerf guns at each other yeah. and being like, I got you. Yeah, absolutely. It very much is that sort of thing. So, Weishaupt decides that, you know, we need to get more people. So, we're going to start properly infiltrating the Masons. Okay. And this does kind of work because this is where we get to Freiherr Adolf Franz Friedrich Ludwig Knieger. Yay! Can we make a song about him? Quite possibly. Okay. He does have a very, like, he's got that nice sort of it's, bounce to his name. Yeah, it, it's almost iambic. It is, yeah, yeah. So, Knieger was a Freemason. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was a member of the nobility, and he had not had a great time. He had become this, he, like, he got his title at the age of about 13. Oh, And he okay. had inherited a lot of debt. Oh, no. Yeah. That poor kid. So, his dad dies. Yeah. And is like... Sorry, son, yeah. I gone done f***ed you over. Absolutely. And it's especially bad because it's clear that Knieger is really a scholar. Yeah. Like, that's what he's interested in. So, coming up from this, he manages to get into the Masons and he's really interested in, like, ideas of liberalism and free thought. Mm-hmm. And the Freemasons are not that. So, he's disappointed. So, right. he's like, you know what? I'm going to start my own group that's going to be dedicated to reason and free thought. And, and I'm going like to call it the Perfectibilists. <laughs> no, no, because almost immediately uh, a friend of his goes, you know, that is already an order like that, right? And he's like, I didn't know because it's a secret society. <laughs> this is the problem with secret societies. Absolutely. So... Knieger decides that he's going to take all those ideas he had for, like, reforming the Masons, reforming Mm. his particular part of the order, and he's going to go to this other group, Mm -hmm. the Illuminati. And he is absolutely welcomed because, you know, he's a member of the nobility. This is exactly the sort of person they want in. Absolute score for your beginner cult. Yeah. And... It's actually a bit of a problem because the thing is, he's too good. He's too clever. Oh, no. And he starts... He starts coming up with better names for things and people are like, oh, shit. (laughs) Well, quite possibly. But what he does do is start reading the books way too quickly. Oh, no. So he's advancing much faster than he really should. Mm. So Weishaupt decides, you know, we've got to kind of slow him down a bit. So what we'll do is basically send him on a recruitment drive. Right. So he starts... Uh, Kniga starts going around and like getting in new members and he's got lots of connections Mm. and the the order does start to grow quite considerably and this includes uh, taking away members from the Masons because Kniga's still part of it so they have like (laughs) they, they do kind of manage to achieve some of their goals good 
But as I said at the beginning, Kniger is increasingly being met with problems when he's asked about these most serene observers or most serene superiors. Yeah. And Weishaupt, who has been struggling keeping Kniger busy, yeah. breaks down a bit oh. and writes to him and tells him there are no most serene superiors. Oh my God, colour me surprised. Yeah, and that the Illuminati is not an ancient order, but something he came up with. Right. Kniger is actually not unhappy about this. Okay. Because despite, you know, it could be like, oh my God, you betrayed me. Mm. He actually sees it says, this is fantastic. If this is just new and made by this guy, I can kind of shape it as well. Oh, I see. Yeah, because he's got loads of ideas. Yeah, he does. So they go into proper partnership together. Okay. And uh, Kniga starts reforming it, creating new systems um, he changes the number of, like, orders in the Illuminati. And these become arranged into three classes. The third class are the Mysteries. Ooh. The Lesser Mysteries, uh, they were priests and princes. This was the name of the, uh, like... The groups. The, yeah. Okay. And then there were the Greater Mysteries, who were the Mages and the Kings. Okay. Then above that were the Masonic Grades, the three Blue Lodge Grades of Apprentice, Companion, and Master. And then there were the higher Scottish Grades of Scottish Novice and Scottish Knight. Wait, are those are those actually Scottish Grades as in only in Scotland, or is that a thing they were calling it? That's the thing they were calling it. Okay, cool. cool. Yeah. And then the first class is the Nursery, consisting of the Novitiate, the Minerval, and Illuminatus Minor. Okay, so... To start off with, these names are getting a lot better. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But also, they're getting so much more nerdy. Oh, absolutely. Like, dear God. <laughs> I mean, really, Kniga does seem to be a massive nerd. Like... The, the man just wants D&D to be invented, let's be honest. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. So, with this sort of change up to the order, they become a bit more open, particularly with the Freemasons. And they kind of go, hey... We can kind of join up a little bit here because, you know, we've got this whole lodge set up here. Mm -hmm. We know you've got this old stuff here. How about we kind of join forces a bit? And the Masons, who are still in a little bit of disarray, are like, fine, do what you want. Here's a lodge. Oh, nice. Yeah. They're actually surprisingly chill about it. Yeah. Um, and the Illuminati immediately goes like, brilliant, you've given us our building that we can actually like go in. We're now going to basically cut ties with you and tell everyone how awful you are. Oh, no. Yeah, absolutely. Wait, the Illuminati were dicks? Yeah, they kind saw of, that coming? <laughs> they kind of were dicks. Right. Um, and they continue to take advantage of the chaos in uh, Freemasonry. Right. They... Basically, at this particular point, there were these two branches of mysticism that were vying for control. And the Illuminati were kind of like, we know a lot of people are sick of this argument. Mm -hmm. So we're going to snap up all the people who are sick of the comp competitions between these two orders. Okay. Unfortunately, as time goes by, the Illuminati start suffering from their own internal conflicts. Okay. And external conflicts. Because they earn the ire of the Rosicrucians. Oh, the Rosicrucians. Have yes. we talked about the Rosicrucians? We have, yeah. We did on the episode about witches in World War II. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And the Rosicrucians, who were very religious and very pro-monarchy... Right. 
saw the Illuminati as basically the antithesis of everything they wanted. Okay. And the Rosicrucians were pretty popular Mm. and they had actual power. (laughs) Okay. So at this point, the Illuminati's name gets widely discredited. It kind of gets outed. People know about the Illuminati and they're told these people are awful. They're circulating all this heretical literature that's basically saying, you know, bugger God for a lark. Let's just go do (laughs) something else instead. Okay. How dare they? I know, absolutely. And as such, they're kind of getting under attack. Right. For the first actual time. Yeah. But not only this, but Weishaupt and Knieger have a bit of a falling out. Oh, no. Because Knieger actually is interested in, like, you know, free debate and rational thinking and that. And he thinks that Weishaupt is being way too controlling. Well, it sounds like he is. Yeah. And Weishaupt is like, no, nah, mate, this is my society. If you want to leave, you can leave. Oh, no, don't let go of him. He's got good names for things. I know, but Knieger leaves. Oh, no. Because, you know, this isn't what he signed up for. No. Eventually, the bad publicity and the complete failure of them to achieve pretty much any goals means that the Illuminati was specifically named by Charles Theodore, who was the uh, elector of Bavaria, Mm. when he banned secret societies. Okay. He banned all of them and the Illuminati in particular. Okay. (laughs) So Weishaupt basically had to leave Bavaria because he didn't want to stop and he just spent the rest of his days basically just writing books uh, in the company of some friends. The Illuminati had developed to the point where they had some powerful members mm. but never powerful enough they okay. were all sort of like lesser nobility right so it's like it it sounds a bit like it's gentlemen who have a bit of spare time yeah are a little bit unhappy with how things are in bavaria yep. at the moment um and want to discuss that with like-minded individuals and maybe read some books yeah absolutely that that's pretty much the entirety of the illuminati (laughs) okay so when did they start becoming the new world order and like taking everything over then they started becoming the new world order in 1975 okay And this is because of two American writers who worked for Playboy. Cool. They are Robert Shea and Robert Anton Wilson. And they decided, they they were working at Playboy together, and they decided, you know, it'd be quite fun to write a book. Yeah, sure. I mean, there were some pretty good writers that came out of Playboy. I mean, yeah, absolutely. And they were particularly interested in this uh, thing called Discordianism. Which was kind of set up as, it's, it's questionable as to whether it's serious or whether it's like a, um, oh, what's the word? A parody right, religion. Right. Uh, basically, Discordianists uh, worship the goddess Eris okay. uh, from the Greek pantheon, and she's the goddess of chaos. The one with the golden apple that like yeah. chucks it at people and they're like, oh no, I have to go for that golden apple. Let's start up the Wars of Troy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> So they were kind of interested in this and thought, you know, we can write a book based on this idea of, like, patterns in chaos. Okay. So they wrote (laughs) the Illuminatus Trilogy. Right. And in that, they decided that, you know, part of this whole thing about, like, free thinking, we know about this group from the 18th century. Yeah. Who were all about this sort of thing and about, you know 
secrecy and that, we can have them as kind of center stage. Sure. And in their novels, they do a wide variety of things that we now recognize as Illuminati conspiracy theories. Okay. They have the pyramid yep. and the uh, the all-seeing eye. Okay. They have the idea that they're influencing world events like the assassination of Kennedy. Yep. Uh, that was them in the Illuminatus trilogy. Basically, every modern idea of the Illuminati comes from these books. Okay. So what you're telling me is that our modern idea on the Illuminati is basically what would happen if people took the Da Vinci Code seriously. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Cool. That is all it is. <laughs> That's why the Illuminati really is very disappointing. <laughs> That's so disappointing, especially because I regularly get harassed by my students on the basis of the Illuminati existing. Yeah, I I've, mean... I've got this necklace that's got a triangle on it. Oh, and yeah. And they get obsessed with anything triangular. They're like, Illuminati! And I'm like, it's upside down! Yeah, and it's also... Nothing to do with the actual Illuminati. No. <laughs> it's from a couple of writers from Playboy. Wonderful. <laughs> and on that note, thank you very much for listening to that episode of That Time When. You can follow us on Twitter at That Time When 4. And if you give us a little mention, we'll give you a shout out. Like for Alexandra King, who Woo! gave us a little shout out uh, on Twitter. Uh, she was doing some DIY and listening to us. And we have a surprising number of listeners who enjoy us while they're doing DIY and painting. Fabulous stuff. We, enjoy your painting, guys. Absolutely. We are apparently popular amongst the DIY community. <laughs> <laughs> we ought to go publish this on um, Reddit somewhere. Absolutely. There's got to be a community for us. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, if you have any suggestions for episodes, you can email them to us at ttwpod at gmail.com. Thank you, as always, to Kevin McLeod for our theme song, Anachronist, as well as any other music that Barnaby's used in the pod. And thank you for listening. Now go out, invest in eels, and create disappointing societies. <laughs> <laughs>